Birders love books and birders love lists. Complementing Nat Geo's best-selling birding field guides, National Geographic Birders Life List and Journal is the ideal accessory and gift for birders of all ages and at all levels of experience. Organized in taxonomic sequence with graceful illustrations of common species, text by renowned birding expert Noah Stricker, and an index for easy navigation, this journal makes the mission of keeping a life list all the more convenient and rewarding. Find it wherever books are sold, including Budio Books, the American Birding Association retail partner. Hello and welcome to the American Birding Podcast from the American Birding Association. I am your host, Nate Swick, and I am out this week with my family in Florida. And that means that this is an encore episode in all Columbia encore episode of the American Birding Podcast. But Nate, I imagine you all are asking, isn't this a lot of Columbia content all at once? You did that episode a few weeks ago, and now you're bringing back some Columbia episodes from a couple of years ago, and you'd probably be correct to ask, but I am doing it for a couple of reasons. One, uh, I love Columbia, and I think what is going on down there in terms of birding culture and ecotourism is fascinating. People are friendly. The food is quite good. The infrastructure, both birding and otherwise, is well established these days. The birding is undeniably spectacular, as you'd expect for a country that can boast a list that includes nearly one-fifth of all the world's birds with dozens of endemics. And two, well, the ABA is, in fact, planning to host a trip there in September of this year. And to be completely frank, I want to help sell seats on that trip. Our travel program is an important part of the ABA's annual budget, and I like it when all parts of the ABA are working together to accomplish goals for the organization and for the birding world. So if you are interested in traveling to Columbia with us, that's a great thing. And if enough people sign up, you might even get to travel with me. Look, I'll just speak that into existence. We'll see what happens there. That trip goes to the Central Andes and down to Cali, and I will point out that a lot of the places I talk about in this episode, like Hacienda El Bosque, Rio Blanco, are places that we will plan to go to on this trip. And there's a golden rule of bird trip leading that you can't guarantee any bird, uh, but I feel pretty confident that this ABA trip in September will see Ant Pettis. And a lot of the places I went around Cali earlier this year are also on the agenda. You can get information about all of that on our travel page. The link is in the show notes. Just putting that little bug in your ear. So enough about that. Let's get to it. On to this week's episode. I'll go all the way back to the very first episode of the American Birding Podcast where I offer some thoughts following my very first trip to Columbia. You can see how my thoughts have evolved or not. Probably not too much. But first, Ant Pitta's adventure and all the rest with Diego Calderon and Eliana Ardila. Let's talk for a minute about ant pittas. For many savvy birders with experience in Central and South America, ant pittas are sort of the holy grail of neotropical birding. That might seem like an odd thing to say about a part of the world that boasts neon-colored tanagers, chatty parrots, and pretty much all of the world's hummingbirds, but ant pittas are different. For starters, they are extraordinarily bizarre. As a family, they are plump, long-legged, tailless, chunky-headed, frequently described as a grapefruit on stilts, though the smaller ones are really more like a mandarin orange on stilts. In fact, the family name, Grillariidae, means stilt walker. 
They bop around on the densely vegetated forest floor like weirdly proportioned robins in a way that makes them super endearing, at least in the way that most birders see them these days. Because the other thing about ant pittas, the thing that contributed the most to their holy grail status was that until relatively recently, they were incredibly difficult to see well. You can hear them. Many are quite loud. Their whistled calls carry really well. They frequently will come very close, but stay sort of maddeningly out of sight. But getting a look at them, it used to require playback, maybe a little bit of bushwhacking, and patience. Lots and lots of patience. But not anymore. Now they come to you. Sophie. Sophie, Sophie, by the way, is a brown-banded ant pitta, a Colombian endemic, highly desirable bird. Where I am at Rio Blanco near the city of Manizales in the Colombian central Andes is probably the best place in the world to see one because Sophie has been trained to come to earthworms at a very specific time of day for a crowd of bird watchers to gawk at. Sophie does not want to come out this morning. We're not here at the right time. She's staying just out of view, obviously a little confused by our unscheduled requests. The chestnut-crowned ant pittas, whose voices sound like a third grader learning to whistle, however, don't seem to mind. They're, they're hopping around at our feet. This is the new normal for the holy grail of neotropic birding. If you need an antpita to come to, to get habituated, what you need to do is having loads of patience, man. That's Diego Calderon, a Colombian birder, researcher, and guide who might have birded more of the country than anyone else on the planet. He was one of our companions on this trip to the central Andes. You know, everyone thinks that Angel Paz invented the thing in Ecuador, and that's, you know, that's absolutely true. But at the same time, it was happening here, it was convergent. You know, it was happening here in the Western Andes. Uh, this this lady called um, Lucia, Lucia in the Western Andes, you have to spend like every day for probably a couple of months at least at the very same place every morning where the amphitas are happy. So you have to study their natural territories, where they sleep, where they are singing every, you know, like the first first bouts in the morning and then choose a place and of course choosing a place needs to be in 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 frequency with the birders with the visitors with the photographers the light the angle the time of the day everything and then choose a place and go every morning at the very same time of the day whistle the bird if you if you have the ability to whistle to play back whistling or playing a little bit of, of tape and then you know eventually the birds are gonna get curious and then you're gonna throw uh, worms at them uh, or, you know, like big larvae of, of, of weevils and stuff like that. That, that. That's the favorite. And eventually, I mean, with, with a lot of luck, they will know that there is food there and that there are no predators. And all this is like marvelously, you know, like free, cheap food for them. And, you know, it, it can take, I, I, when, we, when we were feeding the new species down here in Cali, I was a full month in the field with the guy that, I mean, the, the Antita Whisperer, you know, Arturo, and, and it never came. It, it came like almost two months later. So this, this thing takes time and, and patience, 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 patience. It's, it's crazy. The long, slow building of trust between ant pitta and weevil larvae bearing human is somewhat incongruous with the relatively quick rise of Colombia as a bird tourism destination. It wasn't all that long ago that the nation was in the midst of a multi-decade civil war of sorts, 
a conflict between government forces, guerrilla groups, and paramilitary organizations against the backdrop, and frequently with the collusion of powerful drug cartels, which for years have defined Colombia in the popular culture. It's hard to talk about Colombia without mentioning that unfortunate history, but it's just as important to note how fast things have changed for the better here, and how ready Colombians are to share their country with the rest of the world, with birds and nature a huge part of that. People don't realize how hurtful and, and rude it is for someone to say, oh, have you watched Narcos? Or, or have you, like, oh yeah, Pablo Escobar. Eliana Ardila is a friend of the ABA. You might remember when I talked to her and her husband, Mark Kramer, during the big year they undertook in their Volkswagen bus, birding by bus. They've parlayed that birding world notoriety into a small tourism business focusing mostly on Colombia, where Eliana is from. They were down there at the same time I was with a group of American tourists working a similar route. So we ran into them a couple of times and it was fun to share notes and basically geek out about the birds we were seeing. There's so much more to Colombia than that. Even, even when we were having those hardships in Colombia in the 80s or 90s, Colombia still has so much more than that. And now, you know, like I, I would like to say that we have passed, passed that very difficult time of Colombia, that it, it just there's just so much more to be seen. Like I, I get all sensitive and I get all emotional when I, I am in Colombia. And I, I know that for this tour that we just had, there were, I think I was crying almost every day and I'm like, what the heck is going on? You know? And it was just this happiness that I felt that I was showing so many people what the real Colombia is, you know, how, like how amazing it truly is and how like happy it makes us that you are giving us a second chance that you are giving us the opportunity of having you there. That certainly seems to be the mentality of a lot of entrepreneurs making their way into this growing field. The first time I ever visited Colombia was almost exactly five years ago. I got to go to the same region of the country, the Central Andes near Manizales, that I had been to in 2016. And I have to say, even in those five years, a lot has happened. There are more places to bird. There are more Colombians who have recognized that preserving habitat on their properties, especially if those properties have cool birds, it's a pretty effective way to build a business. I want to focus a little bit on one of those places that really left an impression. It's called Hacienda El Bosque. That is a, a dairy farm, and they have a lot of land. And when they realize that they had all these unique birds that people are willing to come pay to see it, they are doing a terrific, amazing job on saying, you know what? Let's preserve this piece of land. Let's do. Let's set up a, a very eco-friendly restaurant and amazing customer service because there's foreigners that want to come uh, here for this. So instead of us putting cattle here, let's save the trees and let the birders come see the birds. They they feel empowered, you know, like oh, our knowledge and and our land, our forest is interesting. It's, it's beautiful to see how it's been changing the, the way people relate to their land, to conservation, to feel that their knowledge and their birds and their nature is, is, is valuable for some people. They're doing an amazing job there. Like I, the, I talked to Juan, which is uh, the, the, the son of the owner and the one that was helping us there. And they, like, they really want to 
make things better and better. Like I was talking to him about, you know, like making sure that all their glass windows, because they have a lot of glass, you know, like the restaurant is all glass. So I said, you know, you be very careful where window strikes on with the birds. And he's like, wow, what can I do to make sure that we don't have any strikes? And he was just so interested and just learning and making sure that they do a better job every single day. So it was just so nice to see. You know, conservation pays, and that's that's a way to, to find it. And that, to me, that's how Colombians are in general. Like, you, you just go, every place you go, people are so welcoming. People are so happy to have you there. People are so polite. And for me, it's just so refreshing to see anytime you visit Colombia that that's why you're going to see it. So it's, it's, it's really cool. I would be failing in my responsibilities as host of a birding podcast if I didn't talk about the birds we saw up there. After hopping off the road and driving past the dairy up to a little restaurant that looks out over the mountains, you are treated to a mural betraying the showstoppers that you are about to see, all while you enjoy a lovely local breakfast. Then, at the time determined by the Ant Pitta Whisperers, you head out to three stations, one after another. The first, for Equatorial Ant Pitta, an unbearably cute little red-brown thing. The second for crescent-faced ant pitta, one of the smaller ant pittas with a lovely, intricate, waning moon pattern on its face and a streaky chest. And the third for the absolutely stunning gray-breasted mountain toucan, which, for my money, is the nicest of the mountain toucans itself, a genus full of gray-blue stunners with patchwork bills. And that's without getting into the birds you see along the way, the sword-billed hummingbirds and barred fruit eaters and shining sunbeams and black-crested warblers. It's almost too much. And some of the easiest birding you could ever enjoy. But beyond all that, the thing that really impressed me about Hacienda del Bosque was that our group of serious, mostly foreign bird watchers were not the only people there. We were joined by a number of Colombians there just because they enjoyed nature and birding too. It's one of the things that has always impressed me about Colombia. There's a local birding community that is unique in the neotropics. And it's a big part of what is driving the opportunities in parts of the country that continue to open up safely. You know, our birding community grew up isolated from the world. We didn't have researchers coming. We have tourists coming. So it was pretty engaged, attached to the academical side of the ornithology thing. And then the local community is so huge that, you know, I, I don't know if you compare it. Of course, like Brazil is a huge country and Argentina has a, a long tradition. But if you compare it to the other Latin American countries, the burden here is pretty strong domestically. So a lot of a lot of these you know areas that you go birding are researched, explored, scouted just by guys with cameras and stuff, and they don't care about the business. They are just they're just like going birding for fun on the weekends. So Colombia is a really big country, and I feel like there are all these pockets all through Colombia of all these birders that are not necessarily birding because it's their job or their guides, but because they're doing it because they're passionate about it. Like they want to see, wow, what's there? Like, like they want to find as many species as possible. It's a, it's all a neat, you know, snowball kind of growing and growing and helping each other. I remember easily 10, 12 years ago, the first guys with compact cameras started to go birding without binoculars. And this was a huge boom. And they were doing new records for the country, new records for the States, like 
you know, everywhere. There's just going with cameras and, and exploring. So it's it's a pretty pretty unique situation what, what we have here indeed. I feel like nature is in overblood. Like you are in one of the most biodiverse countries in the world. Like we have so much of it. And I feel like it's just automatic that you are gonna be passionate about nature. Like I remember like as 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 a kid, just being so interested in everything that like the the nature and the birds and even though I wasn't a birder, I appreciated all of those all of these things. I spent like I, even though I was from a big city, Bucaramanga, I spent a lot of time going to the family farm um, on the weekends on the days off from school, and I just loved going there. I loved going to the farm and running in the in the in the field and chasing the cows and the horses and just being surrounded by nature. So I think that as a Colombian, I think that's in our blood to to love the outdoors, to to be out, to be outside. For tourism, it was it was very tough. Before a trip, you have to call everyone on the route and ask if the situation was okay, if if not the armed groups had been around, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a lot of work to to think on where to go, when to go, how to go. In March, I went to Inidia, right? I mean, Inidia for a very long time was an area that no one will dare to visit. Even now, when you talk to even some Colombians, maybe um, like the older generation, they will be like, you're going to Inidia? Like, really? And it's still that even for some Colombians, that mentality that certain areas were for so long of limits that like, like it's still hard to understand that now we can visit them. Putumayo is a department we have, you know, like covering a little bit of the uh, Andes in the south and the Amazon in the border with Ecuador. Putumayo has been opening up amazingly. And there are, you know, like groups of local people birding and, you know, friends building lodges and reserves. So this is an area where you can you can go birding now, and as a Colombian birder, for example, finding tons of birds that were not you know available a few years ago, we've actually found like buff-throated toddy tyrant and you know like uh, forest elenia, denominated subspecies, a lot of new birds for the Colombian list there. That you know that happens when you live in Colombia and birding the borders, and I think it's you know it's, it's developing in a nice way because even it's not. I mean, packed with Colombian endemics, uh, birders, foreigner birders are looking at it because it's a, it's a, it's an amazing environmental area that we only share with a little piece of Ecuador, you know, like Rio Vigal and Cabana San Isidro. So it kind of opens up a, a completely brand new segment that people was never thinking like, oh, we can go and see fiery throated fruit eater. Where do we go? Only Ecuador. Now you can also come to Colombia. So it's pretty cool. I would say I would say the Colombians, you know, the the crazy explorers, more pioneering, lead a little bit the way, you know, and then you realize, oh, it's been safe here for you know a couple of years, and then we Colombians start to go, and then you know, eight years, ten years later, you know, you can you can bring foreigners and you know, magic. This idea that Colombians are exploring their own country as parts of it become more safe and discovering lots of amazing new birds in the process is one that I talked about with a lot of the guides there. It's a brand new world in a way buoyed by a peace process that has even turned some former combatants into environmental allies. We probably all are or were looking in these areas, you know, like they were looking for hiding. We were, brothers were looking for rare birds. Nowadays that some of these guys came to the real, you know, non-armed life and they gave up the arms. They are looking for job opportunities and we are looking for, you know, increasing the, the, the jobs and, and, and things on tourism. So, so yeah, the, the birds get to be 
in some aspect, the, the central point, like, you know, as I said in Spanish, las aves nos conectan, the, the birds do connect us all. The positive that came out of it is that a lot of those places actually got preserved, you know, like the, the habitat, it's untouched. The forest is has not been de- deforested or cut down because we couldn't go there. So now, now, now that we're able to go to these places, there's a, a big movement on preserving these places or making sure that, you know what? It's untouched forest, it's primary forest, less protected. So I think that's a, a positive thing, thing that came out of the difficulties that we had, you know, d- during so many years. So we just have to see the bright side of things. <laughs> One thing that, that was really interesting to see in Colombia is, you know, the pandemic happened. And every person that was dependent on ecotourism, well, they lost their jobs. However, instead of giving up, if you have noticed, what they did was um, rebuild it and make it better. Like a lot of like the the reserves and the lodges, what they did is like, this is the time for us to let's paint the rooms. Let's let's create a new furniture, like making things better. So when the tourism starts again, people will find it even better than the last time they were there. So I think it's just nice to see that even during the pandemic, that they took the time to train the anteras to come to the feeders because they knew that, hey, in one year or two two years, we're going to have birders here again. So let's have the place even better. Now the silver linings of, of all this free time is that we've, we've kind of, you know, capitalizing all this thing on nature and, and birds here. We see this happening, but we need more of big economical powers of the country. And we need more of these people just really you know, betting on the peace. And, and it's not only the, the guys that signed the peace deal. It's a lot of local communities that have the opportunity now after, you know, the, the peace deal was was signed. So we need more of these goodwill intentions on the big power of, of, of the economical circle because, you know, it's, it's making small businesses in Colombia. It's, it's not easy getting to offer tourism and when you don't have the muscle. I think they really are, are seeing how important, not just, tourism in general or ecotourism, but how the birding tourism, how it's important to Colombia. You know, we're the number one country in the world to where the most species of birds. You can take it with whatever size grain of salt you like, but it is my perception that the powers that be in Colombia do know that birding and nature tourism can be important drivers for not only economic development in the country, but an environmental ethos that will see a lot of these extraordinary places protected and hopefully even keep the peace. At least that's the, the hope with ecotourism generally. And there's more to come as the safe parts of the country continue to expand, as birders and researchers and scientists, both foreign and domestic, get to explore these places. The potential is really nearly limitless. That is, after all, one of the great appeals of Colombia. The part that really excites me the most is the exploring of Colombia. I, recently, I went just for four days to the Mecana uh, peak in the Baudon Mountains, and we found like several range extensions from Pirre for endemics that are not anymore Pirre endemics. We found the Pirre bush tanager new for the country. Sorry, sorry, with the Panama friends there, we stole one of the few endemics. That's that's not neat for my part, but I would say that's that's the most you know challenging and and what keeps me most interested in in living and birding here is the exploration. Man, it's like we're just barely understanding the ranges of some birds and how that really tells us more about Colombian biogeography and 
it, this is funny, you know, Pirre is this mountain we share in the Pacific side with Panama in the Darien, and there's several birds named Pirre something, you know, Pirre hummingbird, Pirre bushtana, blah, 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 and they're not Pirre birds because, you know, this is like what happens when you name birds not exploring the full neighborhood, you know. That's what's happening in Colombia. We have the chance to go exploring even, you know, more and more every time with the past of years, the neighborhood. And I, I do love that. I, that, that. I think that's what keeps me more enchanted and absolutely flabbergasted about being a, just a bird watcher, you know, in Colombia. Absolutely. I have this mission of showing the world the real Colombia, as I like to say it, and and show them, you know, how that it is safe, how Colombians really are. It's amazing. It gives you this this very like once again pride feeling to be able to see uh, a part of Colombia that you never saw before, and and to be able to learn about the birds there. You know, to be able to learn about what makes this area so unique. I've got I've got these great friends that are you know good clients from several trips, emailing me or texting me from a from a pub. They're drinking a beer, you know, in Europe midnight, and they're saying like, "Man, we want to go on a trip." where we have the chance of finding a new bird for science or at least like a new bird for the country or, you know, like, let's plan something crazy. That can happen in only a few neotropical countries or, you know, tropical, to be honest. And, and Colombia is, yeah, is the central. You know, Colombia is this, this brute gem that, you know, we've been just polishing and polishing and, and, you know, seeing all the angles. So there's definitely a lot to see in Colombia. I mean, it's, it's, people don't realize how big Colombia is and, uh, and I want to see it, and I want to document it, and I want to to show the world how biodiverse we really are and, uh, and how safe it is. Thanks so much to Diego Calderon and Eliana Ardila for talking to me about Colombia. Additional thanks to ProColumbia, Nature Columbia, and Roger Rodriguez Ardila. Thank you, Swarovski. The NL Pures are spectacular, and particularly to Dale Forbes, who joined us on this trip, and whose recordings of Slate Crowned Ampeta, Scarlet Belly Mountain Tanager, and Chestnut Breasted Wren I used in this episode. For today's commentary, I recently had the opportunity to travel in Colombia as a guest of ProColombia, the government agency in charge of promoting international tourism. The trip was unfortunately a short one based around an official announcement of Colombia's national birdwatching strategy. Yeah, you heard that right. Colombia has a national birdwatching strategy. And it's not a policy aimed at getting more Colombians interested in birding, though that would certainly be a nice side effect, but one that aims to attract international travelers, specifically birdwatchers, to Colombia for ecotourism. Putting aside for now the fact that Colombia has a national birdwatching strategy and how novel that is, it makes a lot of sense for Colombia to market itself this way. Birders in the United States and Canada, particularly those who chose to join the American Birding Association, can be pretty adventurous travelers. And Colombia has a lot of birds, nearly 1,900 species, the most species of any nation in the world. And that's a figure that Colombians are justifiably proud of, and one that is likely to grow with splits and new discoveries in the future. A tangent, the reason why Colombia is so rich has to do with the fact that the Andes Mountains split into three distinct ranges once they enter the nation, and each range offers unique species, not just birds, but insects and plants as well. It's a really cool example of speciation on a continent and the sort of thing that you usually only see on islands. So there are a lot of elevations to explore and different suites of birds at every altitude, which makes for amazing biodiversity. And more, in addition to the variety of species, I was struck by how easy some of them were to see. 
We had classical neotropical groups like Katingas, Antpittas, Tanagers, and Hummingbirds. Uh, they were all really plentiful. Birds like Calcaguan, which were thought to be extinct in the not-too-distant past, can be found with not a lot of difficulty. And as the nation continues to open up and put decades of drug trafficking and internal warfare and bad publicity well behind it, more of these stories are likely. There are still a small handful of places that birders and even Colombians can't access, but these are declining every year, and there's clearly a sense of excitement among Colombians, particularly those that are interested in birds, that they're able to discover more of their own country at the same time as the tourists are. So Colombia offers spectacular birdwatching, which is no surprise to anyone, but what I was most excited about was this national birdwatching strategy I mentioned before. Not only by how uh, novel it was, but by how invested the government was at even the highest levels. The Ministry of Tourism took a look at what Colombia could offer international tourists. And high on that list, alongside things like cultural interests and beaches and scenic mountains and the sorts of things that lots of nations try to sell to the world, was birds. The government of Colombia has prioritized birds, and that's extraordinary. And as we know, prioritizing birds means prioritizing a number of other things. First and foremost among them is conservation. In order to continue to have birds in nature to sell, you need to protect what birds in nature you have. And this is a route that places like Costa Rica have famously traveled, and Colombia looks to build on those successes. They already have an impressive system of national parks and protected lands. The infrastructure needed to get birders and international tourists to those places is still lacking in some areas, but there are plans to fix that. There are also plans to build a community of bird guides in the nation, well-versed in biodiversity and fluent in English, importantly enough. Uh, there's also a push to encourage local entrepreneurs in the form of eco-lodges for traveling birders, which also has the added benefit of encouraging the protection of private land in addition to public land. So right now, there, are, there certainly are great guides and great lodges, but there are not enough of them. And they want the sustainable economic development opportunities that protect the nation's biodiversity. And the time scale for this is ambitious, but it's also really exciting. I was speaking to our guide, a young guy named Johanny Gaviria, who is really into nature and birds and whose English is impeccable about this. And there was a real sense of enthusiasm about living in a nation at a time when you feel like you can get in on the ground floor. He works as a nature specialist at a more general tour company, but his ultimate goal is to do something on his own. And that's sort of how it starts, right? A person makes it as a bird guide. Young people see them making it and see this as a, as a path for themselves. And before long, you have a number of excellent guides all across the country. And you have a number of people established in an industry that promotes conservation. Uh, can Columbia get there as quickly as they want to? I don't know. But money has a way of shortening that time frame. And if the government is interested in promoting this, I don't see why not. And perhaps the coolest thing about all this, and why we in the ABA and in the North American Birding Committee should care about what's going on in Colombia, is that we birders in North America benefit as well. The forests there, when we're, where we visited, were crawling with Blackbirdian warblers, uh, along with mourning black and white and Canada warblers. We saw swains and thrushes and summer and scarlet tanagers. We even had an osprey fly over while we were sitting at about 12,000 feet on the side of a volcano. And we know that many of them spend their winters in the Amazon basin, so that was a really neat thing to see. The birds we think of as ours don't really care much about national borders, and a true hemispheric conservation ethos that considers the needs of birds on both ends of their year is what is needed to be sure that we still have these things going forward. What happens in Colombia impacts us more than we realize, and the movement among Latin American countries to expand ecotourism opportunities and invest in conservation affects us even if we never get to travel there. And if those conservation initiatives are tied to opportunities for people in Colombia and elsewhere to make a living, to support their families in a way that appreciates that incredible biodiversity, then all the better.
Speaking for myself, I feel better knowing that the birds that pass through my home in spring and fall have a place to go in the winter, that there are people down there that are thinking about them. And when I see a Blackburnian warbler again next May, I'll think about the friends I made in Columbia and think about the great work they're doing there for birds and birders. The American Birding Podcast is brought to you by the American Birding Association. If you enjoy this podcast, the best way to support it is to join the ABA. You get a lot of great benefits, including our magazines, discounts to partners like Princeton University Press, Beauty of Books, Cornell Lab of Ornithology, and more. You can find out how to do all of that at aba.org slash join. Executive Director of the ABA and Executive Producer of the podcast is Nikki Belmonte, who asked that I stop focusing so much on Colombia and consider perusing other South American countries. Technical production is by John Lauer, who's pretty sure that Rick Astley is a regular visitor to the bird continent because he's never going to give you up. Uh, you can find us online at ABA.org and on social media, most everywhere is American Birding Association. On Twitter, we are at ABA. I'm told that there are other places to bird in South America, but I'm sorry. I don't believe you for a second. Questions, comments, get come to podcast at ABA.org. I'm Mitt Swick. Thank you for listening. Stay healthy. See you next week. 